0: Today on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's in the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 5, with part 2 of a message titled, Breaking the Chains. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Torn apart, broken in pieces is a great description of the man. Interval, intervals during night and day, he would let out a howl. He would gash himself with jagged rocks. One writer says, in an obvious attempt to drive out the evil spirits, the poor naked man was a mass of bleeding laceration, scabs, infections, scar tissue, living in a delirium of pain and masochistic displeasure. The man was wild, naked, unkempt, and dill. And as a result, all were against him. In his lucid moments, he surely realized how repulsive, unloved, and unwelcomed he was. He was dehumanized, animalized, marginalized, and both frightening and fearful. What incredible misery. Every detail emphasized his pathetic condition. If you've ever seen the Lord of the Rings movies, you see the story, the backstory is told how Gollum came to be Gollum, or Schmeagol. And the whole thing is when he finds the ring of power. You guys know that story, right? And he kills his friend for the ring. You don't know the story? You guys gotta watch the Lord of the Rings story. Anyway, the, the, ring, the ring just infatuates everybody. The ring is, it's a ring of evil, And so Gollum kills his best friend, basically, to get it. And once he puts the ring on, the ring begins to manipulate him, and it becomes heavy, and it begins to change his form until he deteriorates, and he can no longer even be recognized for what he once was. It takes him down levels of depth of darkness, and it's an incredible scene. He doesn't even look, he's a hobbit, and he doesn't even look like a hobbit anymore, Tertullian says what uh, is true of man is that the glory of God is a man fully alive, but what Satan wants to do is make or rob you of the glory of God. And so one thing that happens when people get into dark lifestyles is that Satan's attempt is to dehumanize them, to rob them of the image of God or the imago Dei. And this explains why some of what happens, happens. In fact, if you've watched, if you've seen a, people, a person, for example, who's abused drugs for many years, or been in a lifestyle that's taken them down, it's almost as if they've, they've become less human. The image of God is uh, almost robbed from them. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary the devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour literally to gulp you down entirely. But resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Just remember, Christian, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And by the way, as a Christian, you cannot be possessed. I know sometimes people wonder about this. You cannot. There's not a dual level condominium going on here. You know, people say, uh, can Christians be possessed? I don't think so. Christians are... Are, have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can you be oppressed, harassed, perhaps, yes. But he saw Jesus, verse six, from a distance and he ran up and bowed down. See the words bowed down, that's a single Greek word proskuneo, it's where we get our word worship. I don't think he was worshiping, but I think he had no choice because the Bible says every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God of God the Father, and he runs up and bows down. If you're one of the disciples, (laughs) you have to be standing behind Jesus at this point. Unclean spirits were drawn by a strange fascination to Jesus, even though they knew he was their conqueror, in their view, the hated Son of God. Terror and malice drove them to his presence. And crying out with a loud voice, verse seven, he said, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? By the way, that reference to the most high God is in the Old Testament. It means that God, the God of the Bible, is the God above every God. He is the most high. Pagans would often worship false gods on mountaintops, on high places. And the Bible says, no, You may worship your false god up there, but he is the most high god. King of kings and lord Lord of lords. God above all gods. In fact, every other god is a false god, but Satan is called the god, small g, of this world. It doesn't mean that there's more than one true god. It just means there are false gods. The Bible acknowledges that there are other false gods. In fact, in the Ten Commandments, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. But there's no other true God by nature. These are all false gods masquerading and duping many, many people. What do we have to do with you, son of God? Have you come, Matthew eight twenty nine, to torment us before the time? Notice the demon speaking through the man says, I implore you by God, do not torment me. Um. They were entreating him, Luke eight thirty one, not to command them to depart into the abyss. You see, the demonic spirits that are fallen angels, according to scripture, they know judgment day is coming. They just don't want to rush it. <laughs> and you can understand why. So it's kind of like, what are, you, what are you doing here? What are you doing on the other side of the lake? Have you come to torment us before the time? Even demons know how to beg and plead. Please, don't. He was saying, Jesus had been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. The word Legion to the Jewish mind means great numbers, but get this, a Legion in the Roman army was 6,000 foot soldiers, 120 horsemen, plus technical personnel. If you take this literally, that means that this man is invade, invaded by thousands of spirits. What does that mean about their number that are just out there? What does that mean like when they find a life that they can harass that it gets worse and worse? And he begged, verse 10, he entreated him earnestly not to send them out of the country. You know, Once they find a place where they're comfy, they don't want to leave. Now there was a big herd of swine feeding there on the mountain. Some of you have read this before and you, you're you reading this and you're like, they're by the Sea of Galilee. What are pigs doing over there? That's an unclean animal to the Jews, but remember they're on the Gentile side of the lake. That's why the swine are there. And it's, it's likely that these are Gentile swine herders and there's this big herd of swine feeding there on the mountain. all of a sudden, The demons entreated him, they begged him in a bizarre negotiation send us into the swine so that we may enter them. I have no clue why they asked that. You know, you could probably read 10 different opinions on what's going on with the pigs. I don't know but they happen to be there, and I suppose for the demonic spirits that have invaded this man, it's better to go into the pigs than go nowhere or go out of the the region, or for them, a pig is the same as a man. That's maybe their view of life. And so what's about to happen is a whole boatload of bacon is about to go over (laughs) the side of the cliff. Matthew twelve forty three through 45, interesting cross-reference says. Now when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. When it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be, says Jesus, with this evil generation, Matthew 12, 43 through 45. Wow. It would appear that part of what Jesus is saying is that when a person hears truth, and let's say that something happens, a a form of deliverance occurs in their life. Maybe, Maybe you kick a habit or something, but the house does not become occupied by the living God. It becomes more susceptible for more evil. You can can do things to improve yourself morally, you can kick a habit, but it doesn't mean that you've been transformed by the living God. What you need is the spirit of God. And so he gave them permission, 13, and coming out the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd, and I'm sure the pigs were (laughs) surprised by what occurred. The herd rushed down the steep bank, so they're right there by the shore, into the sea, that's the Sea of Galilee, notice this, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. The Greek tense here shows it as one pig after another down off the cliff. I would imagine with many oinks. <laughs> yeah. Down they go. Another one. Splash. Flash. I mean, can you imagine being like a walking up in the middle of this? What in the world? <laughs> what is going on around here? Strange, bizarre scene. Yeah, you've heard people joke the first case in history of deviled ham and <laughs> all that. Didn't even want to go there, but... In the process, the pigs become vehicles of judgment to the unsuspecting demons who pled to be cast into the animals. In fact, many prominent scholars believe that they were confined to the abyss, awaiting final judgment right after this moment. So, this becomes picturesque. In fact, it may even foreshadow the lake of fire where all the demons will be cast one day, and so, this is what's happened now. So now the camera pans to the herdsmen. They ran away. <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> Probably sprinted. And reported in the city and out in the country. And the people came to see what it was that happened. I'm sure they were going everywhere and saying, you won't believe what just happened. What, what? Well, the demon possessed the man up in the tombs are shrieking." He came to the sky, came up on the shore. He said, and the pigs gone. It's not my fault. (laughs) I didn't do it, I promise. Do you want to be able to defend your faith, what you believe in, why you believe it? We've tackled subjects like Jehovah's Witnesses, the origins of Christmas. In honor of the 500th year of the Reformation, we did a two-part message on Sola Scriptura. Is the Bible alone sufficient? Is it our highest authority? Scientology. Intriguing topics that are available on the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. There'll be more to come, more exciting things to come. And they came to Jesus. Oh, you can imagine this crowd huffing and puffing. They run up. They came to Jesus. They observed the man who had been demon-possessed. And notice what's happened to him. He's sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. The very man who had had the legion, And the response, now here's a man who went around naked, crazy, who knows if he even sat down, possessed, and now he's sitting down, picture of being at rest, clothed, maybe one of the cloaks, extra cloaks of the disciples was given to him, maybe Jesus gave him a cloak, and in his right mind. And they look, maybe pigs were still going over, I don't know. And they looked at the man, and they looked at Jesus, and they were like, wow. Now you would expect that the next reaction the Bible would record would be joy. What happened to you, man? Wow, you were were the legion? Yeah, the one that broke the chains, the one up there howling in the tombs a plight to our whole region? Yeah. Lucid, calm, at peace, clothed. You expect the next reaction is joy, but no, the next reaction was fear. Why? Was the transformation too much for them? You know, sometimes it's an interesting phenomenon in our world. Some parents in our world get more concerned for the young people in our society after they become Christians instead of when they were out in the world destroying themselves. That's when they become more concerned. And even perhaps fearful, don't take this thing too far. Don't, don't give up your path or your career, honey, for this Jesus thing, right? Kind of, kind of take your time and measure your steps. The man was free. His chains were broken. What a beautiful picture of what salvation does. Makes us free, puts us in our right mind. I'm sure first awe, but then anger. And those who had seen it described to them how it happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, and they began to entreat Jesus. To what? To depart from their region. After they heard the story, they got probably multiple accounts. Even the demon-possessed man perhaps shared a little bit. The reaction? Please leave now. We don't want you here anymore. Wow. We don't want a bunch more people who are whacked out and possessed being set free. What? We don't like your kind around here. We, we kind of got used to us howling up in the tombs. Put me to sleep at night. I mean, what in the world? What's going on around here? Do you think that it's possible that an area becomes so used to darkness that when light comes, they just prefer darkness? The Bible says that men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. This is tragic. Maybe it's even more tragic than the man himself that these people, instead of a great revival happening in the city, Matthew eight thirty four says, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. Please get out of here. We don't want you here. Could it be because of the financial loss? Maybe this was part of the plan of darkness, was if the pigs go over the side, then people can be angry at Jesus because this is quite a loss financially, right? Is it possible that the people that were raising the pigs and maybe feeding the pork to the Romans who are dominating were compromising Jews? A thought, it seems unlikely given the belief system of the Jews and that the Mishnah said, you don't even mess with pork, but yet who knows what they were doing, what people won't do for money. Do you think that this was a message deeper than we might think? A slap in the face to materialism that will cause a man to descend and give up his values and become pig-headed? Yeah. The living word, the Messiah, the Deliverer, right in front of them, and they say, leave. Here's the good news. Jesus is going to come back to this region later and do a feeding miracle, and the people will then be open to him. So there's some hope here. But they say, leave, and Jesus, verse 18, says, Okay. And as he was getting into the boat, this is sad. You know, if you don't want him in your life, I think he will honor your choice. And this becomes a picture of free will. Jesus didn't say to them, I'm staying, and there's nothing you can do about it. He got in the boat. And the man who had been When all future interviews, the man formerly known as Legion 18, (laughs) yeah, it was a joke, a weak attempt. (laughs) The man who had been demon-possessed was entreating him that he might accompany him. Can you imagine this man now? Lucid, at peace. I think implications are he's saved, he knows the Lord. His one request doesn't care what all these other people say. His one request is, wherever you go, I want to be with you. That's discipleship. That's a man or woman saying, Lord, wherever you are, that's where I want to be. Wherever you send me, that's where I want to go. Whatever you tell me to say, that's what I'm going to say. Whatever, however you tell me to live, that's what I'm going to do. Because I was once dead, and I'm alive again. I was lost, but now I'm found. Please, Christian, don't ever forget what the Lord's delivered you from. Don't ever forget it, because the devil will cause you to forget where you were in those times. And the man who had been, well, he begged Jesus, please take me with you. I've got nothing here. I cannot see myself without you, I want to serve you. And verse 19 says Jesus did not let him go. Do you know that there's sometimes when your prayer requests are good and reasonable and you ask the Lord and it seems noble and he says no. And you're like, what? You know, sometimes God's response to our prayers is no. Is that within your thinking? when you pray about something that God is actually God and you're not? (laughs) You know, we often pray and it seems that our prayers have become about God baptizing our plans and if he doesn't, then we've got a problem with God. But when you pray about something biblically, that's, you're asking God. Like you might want to even ask him before you make the decision, right? Right? Or before you do something and then you look back on it and say, God, uh, help. (laughs) It's always good if you pray before. And so he says, Lord, I want to go. And Jesus says, no, I've got another plan for you. Go home to your people or your family. Look at 19. And report to them what great things the Lord, and Jesus is calling himself the Lord in verse 19, has done for you and how he had mercy on you. No, I have another plan for you. Go and tell your people. You're gonna go from madman to missionary right now. You're gonna become a witness to the Decapolis in this region. I mean, who could resist wanting to interview you? (laughs) The man formerly known as Legion. Tell me again, I just wanna hear the story one more time. All right. How did he get there? What doors did he open in his life to get to this terrible state? I'm sure it started subtly. I'm sure he told the story on the circuit. Well, one little compromise, one little opening, one little, uh, this is no big deal, I can handle this, it'll be all right, I won't get too deep into darkness, and finally I found myself dominated by a multitude. I no longer even had control. And he went away and began to proclaim or herald in the Decapolis, 20, final verse, what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. When Jesus comes back to this territory in a few chapters in the Gospel of Mark, the people are excited and ready to hear what he has to say. I would imagine that the man formerly known as Legion then did a great job. See, Jesus had him in a preparation ministry. You're going to get this area prepared for when I come back on the next boat ride. These people are going to have their hearts open because they're going to hear your story over and over and over again. Go to your family and tell your people what great things the Lord has done for you. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you told somebody the great things the Lord has done for you? When's the last time you shared your testimony I read a writer this week that said in many ways he wonders about the existence of missions and evangelism departments in churches because he says the whole church should be doing missions and evangelism, not just a portion. Now look, we we know certain people have certain callings and I'm not putting that down, but it made me think because sometimes by us knowing that we have missions and evangelism departments, that means we don't have to do it. Other people are doing it. Isn't that what I write that check for on Sunday morning? (laughs) Other people can tell people. Wait a minute. It's you. You're supposed to be telling people what Jesus has done for you. You're supposed to be a missionary to your neighborhood or whatever circle of influence that you have. Maybe you can say this is the way my life used to be. Do you know that this area became a powerful stronghold for Christianity? Uh, In fact, in the early centuries of the the church, future church councils, all early church councils had a bishop from the area of Kerse, which is this region of the Gerasenes of the Gadarenes. Let's talk about something that we're going to do to address um, this topic, because we have an upcoming uh, evening here at Living Truth, and we know that all our listeners cannot come to this evening. But the first Sunday of of each month during the calendar year, we do something called 633. And it's an apologetics evening service that begins at 633. The next one will be on January the 7th. And there we are going to delve into the topic of the dark dangers of the occult. And we're actually going to be sharing on this evening a firsthand account of a demon possession case that I was part of. Uh, in that, I was called out to a place and um, really went through something of calling upon the Lord to deliver uh, an individual. And so we're going to tackle not only that as a uh, an account or of what happened, but also teach the reality of, of what can go on. And we don't want to sensationalize the story itself. None of us want to do that. But we do want to bring out the reality of darkness mm-hmm. and what can happen when you dabble or mess with things that you shouldn't be messing with, the occult, Ouija boards, um, you know, messing with new age kind of stuff. And you begin to open the door to that kind of stuff and be careful what comes into your life. And this is a case where I know the individual wants to, uh, just like the man in the book of Mark in chapter five, he wants to tell the wonderful things that God has done for him. And that's his motivation. But we also want to use it as a way to celebrate God's glory over the kingdom of darkness. But we also want to warn people not to mess with these areas because uh, it can be very dangerous. There are two people I want you to give an encouragement to. One of them are the non-believers. And what would you say to the Christian who think that they cannot be touched by these things? So people are fascinated with darkness, but I just would say a warning is don't mess with it. Even people in the occult who are, you know, a a normal everyday occultist would say there's a danger there in messing with these things. For the believer, it's just not a wise thing to do at all. So Christians, for example, that read horoscopes or, you you know, dabble in the new age or whatever they want to call it. And there's a warning there. In fact, the Bible would say it's forbidden for God's people. It is forbidden. So that's pretty, pretty serious. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.